we want to pick up on the theme of ministry. Um, this morning we completed, well, not really, we have one or two more, believe it or not, that we need to include in our ministry report, and we'll have that next Lord's Day, Lord willing. But do you recall that last Lord's Day, we looked at the implications of this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it, but you'll have it on the screen as well. And we looked at this passage at that time because we were focusing on ministries within the church. And this is how the passage reads. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, or the King James says, for the work of the ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, we emphasize that in this passage, uh, there are two types of members of the body of Christ that are described here, equippers and ministers. Only two categories of believers in this particular passage, equippers and ministers. Now, we tried to demonstrate last time that the traditional church, I believe, has lost this understanding of the nature and functioning of the church. In other words, I believe that for some reason or another, which I cannot put my fingers on myself, we have lost sight of this very critical um, method of church growth. If you look at the graphic there on the screen, you'll see that we're trying to describe here the idea, the concept that the traditional church the church traditionally through its history um, would view the church from a hierarchical or organizational or corporate perspective. They would see God as the CEO. They would see the paid clergy as the board of management to do God's business. And then they look at members of the church as clients, people they are to please. They are not expected to participate, only spectate, and to be ready to complain if the board of management don't do what they want. That's, now I know that sounds a little harsh, but that's the idea, I think, that has been portrayed because of this particular organizational, corporate view of the nature of the church, especially as far as government is concerned. However, I believe that the biblical model sees Jesus Christ as the head of the church. They see pastors as equipping members of the church who are assisted by deacons, but they work or minister among the body of Christ. Yes, they are over them in the Lord, the, the pastors over them, but they do not lord it over God's people. They're not CEOs, as it were. They are servant ministers here. In other words, from this view, there is an organic rather than an organizational relationship, and that's very important in the practical outworking of our ministry. This view, what I believe is the biblical view, is a, sees the body whose members are joined to one another and to its head, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit. They're not joined together by a set of doctrines, although doctrine is important. 
Good. What holds them together, what makes them to be what they are as a body, is the Holy Spirit, not a set of doctrine. It's not the organizational cooperation or agreement to a particular thing that makes them what they are. But if you look, I believe, from the New Testament, you see that the church is a body because it is baptized, uh, it is joined to the head, Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit unto one another. I believe that this biblical picture of the body of Christ is really, if ever seen, in the world today. Now, of course, I have not been to every church, to every place on the face of the earth. But what I have read and what I have seen and what I have been exposed to through my time in ministry, there are very few churches who model this kind of a lifestyle. Majority of them are based along the, along the organizational or corporate uh, model. In scripture, however, I believe that authentic body life is a mystical union. It is not a corporate relationship. It is not an organizational uh, idea or concept, but rather, rather authentic body life is a mystical union. Here's how Paul describes it, and I want you to turn to this passage as we go. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's how Paul describes this mystical union that causes the body of Christ to be what it is. He says, beginning at verse 12, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, notice now, so also is Christ. That is an amazing statement. So also is Christ. Notice it doesn't say so also is the church. So also is Christ. That's how intimately Christ is identified with the church. Verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into how many bodies? One body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Notice the emphasis on unity, but also diversity. Unity, but also diversity. Many members, one body. That's the unique dynamic which should operate within the church as the body of Christ. Now, there are several implications of this tremendous truth of this mystical relationship that we have as members of the body of Christ. First of all, participation. Notice what it says in verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of, but of many. In other words, every member is by nature a participant in the body. It's impossible to be a member of this mystical union relationship and not be a participant. Participation is an inherent part of being a member of the body of Christ. You see that? This is the important thing here. 
Very, very important for us to see this. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In other words, the participation of every member is expected. The key to spiritual growth, beloved, is not finding the best pastor to lead your church. It's not found in following the latest fad. And the church has a lot of them. Every year it seems that we are following some different fad that the church brings up. If you don't do this, you can't grow. Now there's an emphasis on mentoring. Last year or so, there's an emphasis on journaling. And every now and then you get all of these little things. Now they're good, mind you. But we follow them for a while and saying, these things are essential for growth. But then two years later, we forget it and we pick up something else. It's not following the latest fad, getting the best uh, speaker or pastor, or going to all of the church conferences. All of these things are good, mind you, but they are not the essential things in fostering spiritual growth. And we must remember that there are two different kinds of growth when it comes to the church. There's spiritual growth. That comes from within. That's the organic growth. Then there is organizational growth. That comes from having a good program, having a good PR program, doing good things, offering prizes for bringing many people, offering prizes for winning people to Christ. I'm not talking about that kind of a growth. I'm talking about the growth that begins within and comes out. And we'll see that as we go on. Now, you see, the idea is this. Genuine spiritual growth comes about by each member doing what it is supposed to be as a part of the member of the body of Christ. And when they do that, growth is automatic. You don't have to hype it up. It's automatic, and we'll see what is involved in this as we go. You see, the relationships we form within the body of Christ becomes life-giving means or avenues of mutual loving service. In other words, as the body of Christ intimately associates with one another, we automatically find ways of ministering to building up the body of Christ. It comes naturally. That's why fellowship is so important. That's why getting to know one another is so important. These, the means of, of growing together is developed as we establish intimate relationships with each member as members of the body of Christ. We have to remember this, relationships within the church were not designed just to make little clicks. You have people like that. They only go to meetings where their people, their kind of people go. They only fellowship with people who think the way they think. Relationships within the church are not designed for that purpose. It's not designed to come together where everybody who grumbles about the same thing comes together and grumbles together. Relationships within the church were not designed for that purpose. When you do those things, you're outside the will of God, no matter how good you feel within the group. You're outside the will of God. We were discussing, I got an email from Anton and the other day, and this is a sad thing. 
and we need to pray. I'm checking to make sure it's true. Um, is it true? I don't even know you should mention it. It is true. Who said that Ray Bowles has declared himself as a homosexual? And so he has been Ray Bowles. Remember the one, the guy. He's such a, I mean, fantastic singer. I was blessed by his ministry so much. Uh, what's that song he's well known for? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Forgiving. Pledge, that's right, I pledge allegiance. Remember the missions conference, that song? Right, tremendous. But anyway, within the context of his story, he says he feels so good now. He feels so good now that he, is, he has come out. So I respond, I don't care how good he feels. He's outside of the will of God. See that? We have to pray for him, pray for his family. But relationships within the church are meant, are designed as avenues, as means for us to minister to one another so we could grow into Christ's likeness. It's not designed to cause separation within the church. When we do that, we are sinning. Clear and simple. We are using the members of Christ to do that for which it was not designed. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6. But now there's something else in verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. In other words, what Paul is saying to members of the body of Christ here, truth overrules denials of importance in the body. Truth overrides denial of truth in the body. You've heard people, oh, I ain't got nothing to offer. You know, he went to Bible school. She went to music school. She could sing so beautiful, play so well. I ain't got nothing to offer the Lord at all. Paul is saying, the denial of the truth that God has given you a gift within the body of Christ, that is not one that's prominent or one that is noticed by people, you have nothing to offer. He says, that doesn't jive with the truth. Every member is important. Every member is vital to the growth of the body of Christ. No one has the right to say, I have nothing to offer the church if you are a believer in Christ. No one. That's what he's saying here. Truth overrides denial of importance in the body. My contribution doesn't matter. That doesn't jive with the facts of Scripture. Authentic body life says that every individual has something to offer. Envying others who have more prominent roles. That doesn't jive with the truth that every member is important to the body of Christ. Making excuses for lack of involvement and participation flies in the face of the mystical union we have with Jesus Christ and with one another. Your denial does not make it so. Nor does it reduce your importance in the body of Christ. We are all important to Jesus Christ, and we are all important to one another. Now look at verse 17. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Let me put it this way. Suppose the whole body was Pastor Lee preaching. I know you all would love that, wouldn't you? But suppose that was the body. All you do is come and hear me preaching all the time. No singing. You hear in the quartet. You see, you want me to sing too? No mind. But this is what he's saying. Suppose you came and only heard the quartet. Suppose you came and only heard the choir. You'd get tired of that song. What Paul is saying here in this verse is that there is diversity in the body. And so comparing roles is illogical and non-productive in the body of Christ. The unity of the body silences those who boast in their ability as being more important than that of others. The body of Christ say that's not true. I need my big toe as well as I need my big nose. You understand what I'm saying? And this is important. I want you to incorporate that. I want you to apply that to your life and your ministry within the body of Jesus Christ. To you, for you to say you are insignificant in the body is a slap in the face of the Holy Spirit. You say, that's strong words. Well, we'll see in a moment. You know who it is who places you in the body and gives you gifts to work where he places you? It's the Holy Spirit. And he does it by his sovereign choice. And so when you say, I ain't got nothing, or I ain't good as that person, or you, that's a slap in the face of the Holy Spirit. You're saying you are more wiser than the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. There's much more here, but we'll go through this a little quickly tonight. Verse 18 says, But in fact, and notice that, but there's a contrast here. But in fact, this is what it really is. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as they wanted it to be. Does it say that? It says, just as he wanted it to be. Get that now. So every time you say that I want to be this rather than that in the area that God has gifted you, you're saying that the Holy Spirit made a wrong choice in giving you the gift that he's given you and placing you in the ministry that he's placed you. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I don't know why he didn't use my head for me to walk on. I don't know why he chose my nose to smell with rather than to see with. But that's what he did. And if God has given you the gift of helps, even though nobody sees you there, look at Alan. He's behind that computer every Sunday morning giving us screen, the things we see on the screen with our singing and all the message and everything. Nobody sees him. But you let us stop for a while. You will see everybody's head turning up there. 
You'll see all kind of criticism. Look at the sound. You let somebody come here to sing and let the mic go dead. You'll see. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This speaks of the sovereignty of God. God is a sovereign God. God does what he wants, in the way he wants, at the time he wants, because he has the right to do it, because he is God. He is sovereign over all. He is sovereign over the storm. He is sovereign over the hurricane. He is sovereign over the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. God is sovereign. And he knows exactly where you should be. And he has given you the gift that you need in order to function as a member of the body of Christ. Not so that you could grow, but so that those around you could grow. Because your gift was not given so much for you as it was given for other members of the body of Christ. Even as their gift was not given for them, but for you. And every time you and I refuse to exercise the gift that God has given us, we are saying, I do not want to contribute to the growth of the body of Christ. Period. Sila. Think about that. The sovereignty of God. God places us where he wants us in the body and he equips us with what we need to do to accomplish what he has assigned us to do. Now listen carefully to this. The key to understanding growth in the body is not to find out what you want to do, but to find out what God is doing in the body. Find out from the word what is it God has designed the body to do. Don't be so careful as to try to look out only for what you want to do in the body. But what is it that God has designed the body to do and fitted you in the body to help bring it about? What is God doing? In the body is a question. Notice. Let me see now the best place for me with my ability, with my talents, with my time. Let me see where I can play. No, 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 no. God, what are you doing at Calvary Bible Church? I want to get into the action. What, is you, what have you gifted me with in order to see this body grow? Get in the flow of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? You see, there's no such thing as a body but only one member. You can't even imagine that in your mind. As it is, verse 20, there are many parts but one body. Now, you said he said that before. Yeah, but now he's emphasizing that in the body of Christ, there is individuality, but there is not individualism. You get the point? There is individuality, but not individualism. Flash, 
Calvary Bible Church is not Pastor Lee's church. Another flash. Calvary Bible Church is not your church. Calvary Bible Church is the church of Jesus Christ. It's a church of Jesus Christ. It is Christ's church. It is His body. And we are all members of this incredible body of Jesus Christ. Man, what a fantastic privilege. If there's one thing we should be excited about, is about being a member of the incredible, exciting, wonderful, supernatural body of Jesus Christ. But yet some people say, going to church again? But one at a time, they're going to let me out. No idea of fellowship. No idea of trying to talk and to agree and to talk with one another in order to cause growth at all. The whole concept of the mystical relationship with one another and the head has been lost. And I believe it's because of how traditionally we have presented the church. We need to have a cleaning of the way we do church. Good I heard you say that before. Notice verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, this, now one of the things you've got to see when you read this chapter, Paul says the same thing over and over again in different ways. That shows the importance of this. This is tremendous. You, you learned this. You want to teach how to really teach truth through repetition? Right here. Now, some people say, boy, you know why you say that? I heard you say this before. And you repeat things. Repetition is a tremendous method of communicating truth. That's what he's doing here. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. This tells us that even though there is not individualism in the body of Christ, there is interdependency. There is interdependency. In other words, autonomy is to be rejected within the ministry of Jesus Christ in the body of Christ. No idea. I can go it alone. I hear people say that. They come here and say, well, the church ain't doing this, the church ain't doing it, so I can go there and I can do it myself. You've got to be very careful of that. That could be very dangerous grounds. You saying that the body of Christ is not sufficient to do the work of Christ, but you could go out there by yourself as a member of Jesus Christ and do it on your own. Be careful. Because if you don't find support, if you don't find those coming behind you, maybe it's because you are a member out there and you're trying to do it all yourself. You don't have the resources coming in. The scripture tells us that we draw from Jesus Christ the head, each joint, each ligament, and then we pass it on to others. But if you're all there, out there by yourself saying, the body of Christ ain't doing nothing, so I can do it myself, Paul says, hey, 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 uh-uh-uh. That's not demonstrating the mystical union in the church of Jesus Christ. Interdependency. Function. Not just presence is required. Did you get that? Function. Activity. Not just being expected. 
dictator is required. You see, in the body of Christ, all members are included. If the body is going to function properly. Not presence alone, but function, participation. He's talking about inclusion of all of God's people. Notice as it says, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, special care. The parts that are unpresentable, people don't want to see. You don't want to show the public. But you take care of them because they're important. Although you don't want it to be seen, now I'm going to tell you which parts they are. I can let you figure that out. But there are parts of your body you hide, you don't want people to see. Isn't that right? So look at it carefully. Look at it carefully. Most of the time, if not all the time, those are the most important parts in your body as far as being susceptible to harm, hurt, danger, and that type of a thing. Take a look at it. Not, not presentable, but boy, I've got to take care of it. I've got to pay attention to it. You see, we tried to do that in a modest way when we started to have those who involved in ministry come up. Now, you notice we had the music ministry last, or just about last. Why? Because we're always applauding them. We're always recognizing them. Right? The sound people. Um... Uh, see, the nursery, uh, even the, 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 uh, the, the bulletin, all those things. Liz, she's the first one came up. What does she do? She cares for the supplying of the Lord's table when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hardly any of you all see them. She does it with only a few people around of anyone. All you do is see the finished work. And so we've tried to show these people are important. They are vital. And they need to be recognized and to be shown special attention. So I encourage you again, please, make it a point to go to those individuals who are serving. But you don't hear them or see them so much. But yet they're doing a vital job. And say thank you. I appreciate what you're doing, your blessing, and is causing me to grow as a member of the body of Christ. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Like, for instance, look at my face. You ever seen eating so handsome and so outstanding? I don't need to do anything. I get all the attention. Now, women are a little different. Women have to use cosmetics in order to be... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> women have to use cosmetics in order to bring... Chaos, right. What's the word? What is the word? I, I got lost. See the women, the Lord must be speaking to me about this one. <laughs> yeah, in order to bring chaos out of a cosmos, in order to bring cosmos out of chaos. Anyway, you know, all right. But the point is this 
you have me speaking. You have all of these people speaking and, and singing and doing all of these things. We don't have to bring special attention to them. Why? Because they're getting it all the time. You understand what I'm saying? But it's the others that we have to be careful we don't let fall through the cracks. Because everybody is important. You see, we have people here doing ministry we don't even hear about the way we should. We have people who care for other people's children when they're having meetings. You don't hear nothing about them at all. But if that ministry wasn't there, the ladies wouldn't be able to come to attend a function. But you don't hear nothing. You don't hear nothing. But it's a vital ministry. But God has combined, I love that word, the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked. That's what we need to do. If God does it, we should do it because he does it through us. Verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you hear that word? Indispensable. They mentioned Kathy this morning, the ladies. She's been the backbone to their ministry. Kathy's the backbone to many ministries around here. You see? The way she organizes things, the way she uses the computer, the way she uses the printing machine, the copy, all of those things, if Kathy wasn't there, many of the ministries won't be able to function properly. Hmm? I wouldn't be able to function. Thank you for reminding me of that. That's for sure. And she knows that. I call Kathy even when I preach in them places. I say, Kathy, I need you. And you know, stuff like that. All right. So that's why you need at times to stop by Kathy and say, Kathy, thank you for your ministry, what you're doing. You are important to the growth of this body. See, that's what he's talking about. You see. In other words, he's saying here, all members are due equal respect, regard, and honor, even those members that are not so obvious. This is one of the things that I remember I dealt with when I first came in, and we tried to get someone who would be specifically responsible for visitation. And I'll forget, a couple of the older ladies came and said, Pastor Lee, no, no, say, when anybody comes to visit, I want to be you. I say, Why? He said, because I want you to pray for me. And no one can pray for me like the pastor. I said, now, I want you to listen carefully to what you're saying. I say, if another brother or a sister, it doesn't have to be a brother, it doesn't have to be a pastor, it doesn't have to be on the staff. But if they come by you to visit you and to pray with you and encourage you, their prayer is heard just as much, perhaps even more, than mine. We are members of the body of Christ. No matter who it is who comes to pray for us, we should thank God for that. And praise God that that person has a concern to come to visit and to pray. And don't forget when I was attending Moody Bible Institute in the last century. Uh, I had two dear ladies from the Brethren Church living on East Bay Street. Well, you know these ladies. They would never pray. I don't care where they are, in church, under the dilly tree, anywhere, unless they put something on their head. 
But these ladies got to me one time and said, Alan, says, we're going to be praying for you every day while you're at Moody. Now, other people told me they're going to pray. But the only two people I knew were praying for me and were sure of it was these two ladies. Praying for me on a daily basis. And their prayer meant more to me than anyone else. You see. Now who were they? They were not recognized in the church. They didn't have big names, big things. But they were prayer warriors. And they prayed and God answered their prayer. I can tell you all kinds of stories I believe that is only because of these people praying. Let me give you one. I went up to Moody Bible Institute, and at the time I went up to say that was the coldest winter they ever had in Chicago, Illinois. Now, that's something to say. This is the 50s. That's the coldest. And you know what I had for shoes? I had a pair of church's thin shoes, the thinnest shoes you can make. I don't know. How many of you all heard about church's shoes? They were expensive shoes. The only reason I got it is because I worked there, and I got a big discount. But they were thin. And I had silk socks. <laughs> and I was standing on the corner one night waiting for the bus with the blizzard. Thin church shoes, silk stockings, and a, and a, and a uh, coat that Mr. Roberts gave me when she met me in, in Miami. I had no coat. But she took me into Sears or one of those places and brought me this nice coat boy. And I was stunning it, but I was still freezing. You know why? My feet were cold. I mean, they were cold. And I said, Lord, I need some warm socks. I had no money. That was Sunday night. Monday morning, I run to my post office box. I opened my post office box. There's a little box, on, little box in there. I opened them. Do you know what was in it? Three pairs of Argyle socks. <laughs> hmm? Warm stuff. Argyle socks. God answered the prayer of these ladies, I believe, before I asked. Point. No matter who you are as a member of the body of Christ, you have as much pull and power with God than the preacher, the pastor, the elder, or the deacon. You understand what I'm saying? Beautiful, beautiful. Notice now, verse 25. So that there may be no divisions in the body. God hates divisions in the body. He hates it. But that the members may have the same care for one another. I love that. The same care for one another. This speaks of unity. Unity is vital to genuine, authentic, spiritual growth. Without unity within the body, we have disunity, we have all kinds of problems. And you can always tell a unified body from an ununified body. I was at a conference and I got some notes from uh, Dennis McCollum one time on this. And let me show you how he did it and I'll go through this quite quickly. I want you to see these contrasts. In a non-unified church, people don't really know or understand each other's problems or potentials. They don't know. They're so concerned about their own. But in a unified church, people do know each other's lives and are engaged 
in a ministry or struggle on their behalf. We become involved. In a non-unified church, when people do know of our needs, they don't care enough to do anything about it. I'll pray for you. But they won't do anything about it. But in a unified church, even if we're not sure how to respond, we still have a compassion and a heart concern for them. In non-unified churches, people extol and crave privacy and secrecy. I ain't going to share nothing with you. I don't want people to know my business. How much time have you heard that? People extol and crave privacy and secrecy, but in unified churches, people accept vulnerability and disclosure. I was speaking to an individual just yesterday. He has a situation, and I said, do you have any needs? Say, yeah, but I can let God meet my need. I say, you know, that's why we're here. I says, why don't you tell me your need? He said, well, and I had to to actually uh, bargain with that individual to share their needs. Beloved, that shouldn't be. We should have an environment, an atmosphere within our church that we have no, no problem with going up to anyone and saying, Please, I have a need. Can you help me? And let me say this. If you can meet that individual's need, and you know it's a real need. Now, it has to be a real need now. Some people try to come up and they ain't get no real need. Mine, right? But if it's a real need, and you can meet that need, and you don't meet it, that's sin. It's sin. King James says that we are closing up the bowels of our confession, of our compassion. That's what I call Christian constipation. You don't, give. <laughs> you don't give to others when you have it, and you know it's a genuine need. All right. In non-unified churches, people entertain and share resentments and disdain for other members. They talk about the others. They backbite other people. But in unified churches, those who won't forgive are confronted or they are... Uh, confronted by others with the word of God. We're commanded by the word to confront one another when we sin. And even as we should have no hesitation at all to share our needs, when we see another brother involved in sin and we have assured sin, we should not hesitate to point that out to them, to confront them with that. And they would achieve it gratefully. In non-unified churches, most people spend their time thinking and praying for themselves. But in unified churches, most people spend their time thinking and praying about others. In non-unified churches, people show up at meetings. In unified churches, people show up at meetings ready and willing to serve and to minister to one another and to provoke one another to love and to good works. In non-unified churches, people want to feel blessed. How many? I've heard that so often. Brother Lee, when I come here, I want him, and all I want to sit down, I want to be blessed. Not realizing sometimes that the way God blesses you is by confronting you with sin. People want to be, feel blessed. And un, and unif, and unif, in unified churches, people minister together for a common goal. And of course, that's bringing glory to God by leading one another to spiritual maturity. In non-unified churches, thoughts of how we might affect others really come up when we are making plans. But in unified churches, loyalty to others means I can't always do what I want. 
because my care is for the other person more than it is for myself. Non-unified churches, we have selfish independence displayed. In unified churches, we have a terrific sense of belonging to one another. In non-unified churches, we have to pretend that we are close, which leads to hypocrisy. In unified churches, real closeness needs nothing else. In non-unified churches, we have superficiality. But in unified churches, we have authentic relationships. Listen to verse 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If I buck my toe, every part of my body feels that one. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We should be thankful every time, every time when a member of our body of Christ accomplishes something, is successful in doing something. I want you to notice this. When Paul talks about caring for one another, it's not stated as a command. I want you to notice the difference here. But it's a reality. In other words, the caring for one another is a natural part, inherent part, of being a member of the body of Christ. If this is lacking, you better test and see whether or not you be in the faith. This is not a command. It's a reality that is being described here. This automatically and naturally happens, caring for one another, where genuine, authentic body life is being experienced. It happens automatically. That's why I say this underlines the fact that body life is a mystical union. Somebody said, what do you mean mystical? I don't know what I mean by that, to tell the truth. But because we really can't explain it. But we know it isn't organizational or corporate. We know it's something that the Spirit of God does. It's a way of life. This organic way of life as contrasted with a mere organizational one. In the Bahamas, we would say, we is one. Right? We is one. Now, if there's anywhere that should be demonstrated practically, is within the body of Jesus Christ. We as one. We care for one another. We hurt when another hurts. We glory when another person is, is, is successful or blessed. We never feel threatened. You see, we is one. So here's the bottom line application. And I only want you to get this truth, that's all. Each and every member of the incredible body of Christ here at CBC is vitally important to Christ and to one another. Read that along with me if you agree with it, please. Would you read that statement? But now, not only that, listen to this. You, look at yourself. I could see myself easy here. You. You. I was going to have a picture of the Uncle Sam. Saying Uncle Sam wants you, but that won't fit here. You see? But you, 
are vitally important to Jesus Christ. You are vitally to every you're vitally important to every member of the important incredible body of Christ. You are vitally important to me. You are vitally important to every other member of the pastoral board, the deacons. You are vitally important to the body of Jesus Christ. Listen, we need you. I was going to put here, Jesus needs you, but that's not true. Jesus does not need us. Jesus is gracious, and so he's given us the privilege of serving and worshiping him, but he doesn't need it. But he values us. We need one another. We need Jesus, but Jesus values us. We get a hold of that beloved the body of Christ here at Calvary Bible Church could grow lovingly towards spiritual maturity. And so I say to you, let's strive as members of the incredible body of Christ to experience authentic body life here at Calvary Bible Church. Let all of us be involved in glorifying the triune God. As always,